In this podcast, I'll share some musings about lessons I've learned while riding a tractor. <laughs> I'll talk about the dangers of getting stuck in ruts and the power of erasing stories. So this podcast is about horses, but it's definitely about life too. So here we go. Episode 43. That's actually my lucky number. <laughs> Lessons from a tractor. Hi, I'm Karen Rolfe, and welcome to Horse Training in Harmony. This podcast is about you making progress with your horse in a way that you both can love. It's about learning how to move and be in harmony. Because yes, you really can develop a horse to be both athletic and happy. When we show up as our best selves for our horses, our horses will show up for us. So let's get started. So the number 43 actually is my lucky number and the, or I don't know if it's my lucky number, but it's my favorite number. <laughs> and this started way back when I was a kid and I can remember, okay, this is going to sound probably a little weird. Uh, I remember watching TV and I'd watch, gosh, I don't even know what kind of car racing it was. Uh, they looked like regular cars. <laughs> wasn't drag racing or anything like that. Um, but anyway, there were, <clears throat> I would watch car racing or I'd have car racing on in the background while I was, I don't know, playing with my briar horses or something. But I remember, uh, for some reason I latched on to Richard Petty number 43. And for some reason, I don't know why that number always stuck in my head. So there you have it. That's my story about the number 43 in honor of episode number 43. So this pod is about some things that I found myself contemplating while dragging arenas. Uh, I wrote a blog about this a while ago called contemplation is a drag. <laughs> so um, there's something about getting on a tractor and dragging an arena that I find really like a meditation. I don't know if it's the noise that kind of blocks out everything else, kind of big white noise, or maybe it's just the methodicalness of it. You know, so I'll put the tractor in the gear, hit the gas pedal, and then put the little cruise control thing on and it just keeps going the same speed and all I have to do is steer. So there's lots of opportunity to let your mind wander <laughs> as you're doing it, or at least that's what my mind does. So sometimes I get the best ideas when I drag and it sometimes takes me a while because I have to keep stopping and I'll, I'll send emails or texts to myself uh, of the things that I think about while I'm dragging the arena. Is that just me? Anybody else relate? So I wanted to share uh, in this pod uh, some of the wisdom that I've gotten while dragging. So one of the things that I learned, and this is what a blog, um, well, actually it was part of a blog that I wrote a long time ago, was about um, consistency. And those of you who know my stuff, know how much it's about precision, 
but it's also about play. And this is not unique to me. Uh, I know when I took art class, there would be some precise skills that we would practice and try to be, you know, get realistic results from it, right? Try to recreate on paper what you're seeing with your eye and do repetitive skills of color shading or things like that. And then there would be some improvisation, right? Where you'd try to, you know, you'd paint the still life upside down or you'd only use crosshatching or something like that. Musicians can relate to this. You spend a certain amount of time doing scales over and over and over again. I can remember that probably driving my family crazy when I was practicing it on piano or trumpet. I did. I played trumpet for a little while when I was a kid. <laughs> anyway, you have to do a certain amount of repetition, but then you've got to then move beyond that and you've got to improvise or use those skills in other situations. So being consistent is really important. And when you repeat that skill set, you become efficient at it. You put it into muscle memory. Whenever you repeat something, your brain will set up like a, a neuro superhighway, right? So if you keep doing it, the brain's like, Ooh, we need a, we need quick access to this and it wires more efficiently. So you get better at doing the things that you repeat. But this is where we have to be careful because if we're off by a little bit, we can practice that also and we get more and more efficient at that. And it makes it harder and harder to change the thing that we've been doing. So how I realized that when I was dragging is there was a, a period a while ago where my working students would drag the arenas for me. And at that point, uh, I didn't have a, as fancy a drag as I have now. It was just this drag along thing and we would pull it with the ATV and it had, you know, it was heavy and had these little tines that, uh, pointed down, but it would get kinks in it. And sometimes one tine would just be sitting up a little higher or a little lower, uh, than the other ones. And my working students, you know, they kind of got good at getting the system, right? So they would like, they could knock out the drag, they drag the arenas, they get it done in a really predictable amount of time. They had it in their routine. And in some ways it was great because they were just like knocking it out. Uh, but because there was that one little tine that wasn't quite in the same place as the other tines, um, due to their consistency, it all, that tine always hit the same places in the arena. And so what happened was there started to be this rut that would get put in the arena. It was always in the same place, always going in the same direction. <laughs> and so now through being consistent, the arena now was not consistent. It was not even footing. So as I was going over it one day, I was like, oh, this is really interesting. And isn't this just like, um, the art of precision and play? So how did I undo that rut that was in the arena? Well, I had to change the pattern and me being who I am, I don't just like go in the other direction. I took a couple days dragging around the arena kind of randomly in all different directions and all different patterns. It was not all 
symmetrical. I just kind of crisscrossed and crisscrossed and folded back on myself and went the other direction, did some straight lines, did some swoops, did some turns. Uh, I'm sure my neighbor thought I had lost my mind, but I had to do that. I had to play. I had to experiment. I had to scribble all over the page. I had to do some freeform jazz dragging <laughs> in my arena in order to erase the rut. And this idea is true for so many other things. I already said, like in art and in music and with dragging arenas, but it's also true with horse training. And it's also true just kind of with life. You have to, I think, be careful of the well-worn routine. And I found that you're going to go through phases going to go through phases of experimentation and then through that experimentation you'll find some really cool stuff and then you'll repeat that really cool stuff and you'll get better at it and this is all good and then you're going to put it in a muscle memory but then if you keep doing that now guess what you're just going to create a different kind of rut and this is I think the hard thing with horses and with life is that you have to, <laughs> it's never done. <laughs> you can't like, you know, spray shellac on it and put it on the wall. It's never done. And I think that the real art of life and horses is figuring out what stage you need to be in. Is this some place where you got to stop mucking around and try to find the result and practice and hone that skill and get better at it, get efficient at it so that that becomes easy, you know, so that then you can put something else on top of it. Are you in that stage where you're like, Ooh, I found something cool. Let's, let's practice this. Or are you in a place where you've got to change things up? And, you know, this is, there's a neuro neurobiology part of this, you know, that, that super highway gets there, but then now you're not thinking you're not, it's, it's in muscle memory. So you're, you're doing it, but you're doing it mindlessly now. And again, there's a time for that. There's a time when you don't want to have to think about it anymore, but there's also times when we need to wake up our nervous system and maybe uh, during this past year <laughs> with COVID, where maybe we couldn't go out and do as much variety as we usually do. I think maybe people experience this. But what the nice thing is that you can kind of shake things up uh, in lots of ways. And you can shake things up in one area of your life and it'll affect the other. Because I think once the brain wakes up, it kind of wakes up. And it's like, ooh, things are different. What else is different? You know, your brain wants to notice change. It has to notice when something's different. So sometimes literally changing, rearranging the furniture in your house might help you improve your horsemanship. Because once you rearrange the furniture in your house, then when you walk through the house, your brain has to wake up. It has to notice things. And when your brain gets into noticing things mode, it's going to notice all kinds of things. You know, I noticed this with my horses also. Uh, I have a few different pastures. I mean, my place is not, it's big, but it's not that big. It's 35 acres. Uh, and I have a few different pastures 
but I noticed that if I change pastors every, you know, three months or so, <laughs> you know, if they've been in the same place, they they brighten up. The horses start noticing different things, like noticing things about me. They don't go, oh yeah, here we go. We do this and then we do that. Um, I you know, and that's why I give my horses lots of variety. The joke around here is, you know, my horse will be like, oh no, they've been trapped in their ten acre pasture for too long, <laughs> and they'll like insist of, uh, on coming out to a different area as if they've been locked in a stall. Uh, because they get used to that variety. And then when it's not there, you can see them um, not wanting to zone out. They want some enrichment. They want something to be different. So I think, um, you know, it it always goes back to this precision and play, this the value of experimentation. But I think the tricky part is to know which stage you're in and know that it is a balance. Because yeah, at some point, being consistent in how you drag the arena is going to yield consistent footing. <laughs> but the paradox is you have to know when to change it up. So anyway, I hope, I hope that gives you something to think about and, um, and, you know, to, to challenge yourself to change something. What can you change? What are the things that you do every single day? Like you don't even think about it. Like you, how did I get here? I'm back on the couch, you know, scrolling through Facebook for an hour at this time of the day. Can you just make yourself get up and change it? Do you always order the same thing at lunch? Do you always order the same kind of coffee? Do you always, you know, do a certain routine? Like just literally put something in your way that makes you change it and see what effect it has. Do your horses in a different order just to see what happens. You know, and sometimes you'll do something differently and it'll only confirm that the original way you were doing it really was the best way. But I think that's also good information to have. So it's just a, a checkup. <laughs> what's working, what's not. And again, don't be surprised at how something, changing something even seemingly unrelated or seemingly benign, just changing what you see change, sit on a different end of the couch. <laughs> Sometimes that's all it takes. Literally change your perspective, sit in a different seat. Anyway, I think, I think you get the idea. Okay. Now the other thing that, um, I have learned from sitting behind a tractor is it's about stories and letting go of stories. So, you know, as a horse trainer or as someone who rides horses, just like you guys, um, I spend my life creating these intangible and fleeting moments, right? There's an amazing feeling on a horse, a breakthrough of understanding for a student. And I live for these moments and they cannot be held on to, right? These, these moments leave with the breeze they leave with the next stride. Now the effects of them live on and they manifest in visible ways, but the moment itself becomes a memory and it becomes a story that we tell. And some of those stories we tell for a lifetime and some of those stories we need to let go of. So as I drag the arena, I was contemplating 
the hoof prints that I was smoothing over and remembering the rides that caused those hoof prints. So I could see the line, you know, that was just off the track where, you know, Ovation calmly did more one tempies than he ever had before. I saw the track of the 10 meter circle that Solana did without losing her balance on those last two steps of the circle, like she often does. And then I saw the line of the 20 meter circle where Natia stretched with so much power and grace. And I remembered how it felt because I was riding her bareback and I could feel that suppleness and the warmth of her muscles. And I also saw a little flat spot in the arena where Hotshot laid down for a little while after our ride. And so I'm sitting on the tractor and I'm looking at all these things, these hoof prints, and I'm smiling and I'm erasing it all because we can't, we can't hang on to those moments, even though, you know, sometimes you have a great ride and you look at the footprints, you know, you might think I'll never drag this arena again, right? There's the hoof prints of the evidence of that half pass that actually got over to the letter I was aiming for or that perfect center line or serpentine. So this holding on is rarely a good strategy when it comes to horses. So holding on to anything. And so as I'm erasing this, this fleeting moment, I'm erasing the evidence. I also know that in doing that, I'm preparing the ground, right? For a new layer of progress. I'm setting the stage for new days and new rides and new amazing feelings. But I also, you know, this isn't, you know, a Disney after school special story. <laughs> I also saw the hoof prints of all the crooked backups that I kept repeating until I finally figured out what did I need, what I needed to do in my body to have my horse go straight. <laughs> and I saw the hoof prints of all the repeated laps around the arena be, you know, that I did before I figured out that my horses needed a little bit different plan than what I was doing. And, you know, sometimes those hoof prints, you want to erase them real quick. Like, you know, I remember that and I feel bad. Like I didn't do, I wasn't my best for my horse and I want to kind of cover up the evidence. But in a way it can look good to, it, it can feel good to look at it again. Look at it and learn and then drag over them. And then I wondered about, yeah, it felt really good to drag over those, those mistakes or whatever you want to call them, but do we really erase them? And that made me think of all the times that I hear from students and sometimes even from my own brain, I hear things like, oh, I'm just so terrible at this. <laughs> I just can't get that. You know, when I see the crooked center line or the lopsided serpentine. You just have to remember that those are old hoof prints and we do get to erase them. We can look at them, we can learn from them, and then we can erase them. And we get to choose to keep the stories and lessons that serve us. And all the other stories can just go back into the other grains of sand to be mixed up, leveled out, 
and then represent it to us as a second or a third or a fourth or a fifth or a sixth chance to better our last best efforts. So it's about doing something, getting some sort of result, learning, celebrating, and then letting it go. Clean the slate and set yourself up for another day and then do it all again. So I have this quote and I posted this once on Facebook and I got a lot of mixed comments about this. So the quote is, erase the great moments because that keeps you humble and erase the not so great moments because that keeps you free. And I know that there's a lot of different ways to look at that, you know, erase the great moments. Why would I want to do that? Well, sometimes, you know, well, because it keeps you humble, right? <laughs> We're only as good as our last ride. We're only as good as, you know, <laughs> the next one too. But sometimes I think, you know, when it comes to stories and we think about ruts from what I was saying before, like sometimes even our greatest stories become that same thing as just dragging the arena in the same way with one tine missing or one tine out of alignment. Sometimes our great stories, I mean, I catch myself doing this. I'll, I'll catch myself telling a story about myself. And, I, and as I'm telling it, I go, geez, that was like a lifetime ago. Do I really need to be telling that story again? <laughs> I was listening to, oh gosh, I can't remember where I heard this. Oh, this is going to drive me crazy now. I'm going to have to see if I can figure out where I heard this. But the what they were saying was that the more times you tell a story, the further from the truth it is. <laughs> because it's kind of like what I was saying. When, when we tell a story, it almost becomes mindless. We just tell it and we tell it and we tell a little version off the last version that we told and a little version off the next version. And then some other fact comes in and we just keep telling the story, but it actually becomes further away from the truth. But when you tell a story that you haven't told in a long time, and this is like, whoa, this is the first time I've, I'm telling anybody this, that story is going to be closer to the truth because there's only one degree of separation between the what happened and your story. So I find I, I, I tell stories. Obviously, I have a podcast <laughs> and there's some stories that I've told a lot, but there's some stories when I tell them, I can feel in the back of my brain, there's a little other voice going, maybe it's time to stop telling that story and get some new stories. I've gotten this message from my horses too, especially, gosh, my horse Monty that, I'm going to try not to tell the story, but he was my first full experiment with uh natural horsemanshipy kind of stuff after doing dressage and he um didn't have the greatest history how can i tell the story without telling the story anyway but I, so i would tell his story his dramatic story and there was one moment where i remember telling a story and he, and monty was right there and I, maybe it was my brain, but it felt like he was looking at me going, geez, mom, would you stop telling that story about me? <laughs> and I thought, gosh, it was like, 
Can you imagine if you had this like horrible childhood and somebody else, every time you, they introduce you to someone, they told that story about you? <laughs> I, mean, I was like, yeah, that probably wouldn't feel so good. So I got this message from my horse, Monty, of like, stop telling the story. That is so long ago. And I think when we tell a story about ourselves, especially about our horses, um, if it's too separate and we've told it too many times, it, it can lock us in. It can create a rut of what our brain sees that horse as. And it stops thinking, right? It just goes, boom. I know the couch is over here. The chair is over here. I can navigate through my living room. I don't even have to think. Well, maybe we need to think. Rearrange the furniture. Stop telling the old story. <laughs> Start looking at what's actually happening now and create the new stories. And I know some of these stories with our horses are really dramatic. And we're proud of maybe the story and the, you know, the, the story from the kill pen to the Olympics or whatever it is. Some version of the hero's journey with our, with our horses. And it's fine. Like, don't feel bad. I'll, I'm going to be telling plenty of stories about my horses. But be aware, because there's definitely some stories that I find myself, as I'm telling them, I'm hearing myself think, I really don't need to tell that story anymore. <laughs> and it becomes a habit. So I guess to, to wrap things up here, um, I'll, I'll end with some questions. So where are you being over consistent in your life? What do you need to change? Or maybe just what could you change? Don't even figure out what you think you need to change. What could you change in your whole life? And what could you play around with in order to get rid of some ruts and to wake up your nervous system? Sometimes we don't even know that we're creating ruts until you change something and then you see it differently. And where are you holding on to things that you need to let go? What hoof prints are you not erasing? Are you replaying your mistakes again and again and again? <laughs> Can you just smooth those over, let them go, drag them, drag them and erase them? And what good stories are you holding on to? And, you know, the let go of the great stories um, because that'll, wait, sorry, what was my quote? Erase the not so great moments because that keeps you free. Erase the great moments because that keeps you humble. So sometimes if we erase the great moments, your story of victory, I wonder if the reason you keep telling the story is because somehow you think you're never going to, you're never going to live up to that again. So there's some things that I'm really proud of in my past, but it's a little bit of a red flag. If my moment of greatness is always from like a long time ago. <laughs> so yeah, it's still there. You can still be proud of what you did. But sometimes let that go because sometimes we hold on to those great stories because we feel like if I don't hold on to that story, like I'm never going to have a moment as great. And you might be right, but you might be, it, you might not have a moment that great because you're still holding on to that story. 
So this is just something to play with. I'm not telling you how to live your life. But I think the more we are free to erase and just keep living right in the present moment, that's what it comes down to. And yeah, tell some good stories, but make sure they're working for you. So that's it. Those are my musings from the back of the tractor. <laughs> Let me know what you think. Share your own musings from the back of a tractor. So go ahead and post in the Dressage Naturally Land Facebook group. You can post a link to the blog or, or podcast and, or just say, I just listened to this podcast and here's my wisdom from the back of a tractor. All right. I'll see you on the next one. If this episode resonates with you, make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. Training horses is a long game. The more you listen, the more pieces of the puzzle you'll have. To see all your learning resources, visit dressagenaturally.net. That's where you'll find free videos, online courses, my book. You can sign up for my Wednesday Wisdom email or even book a private consult. Most of all, remember, you got this. Never underestimate the possibility for things to improve in ways you cannot yet imagine. Till next time, love your horse, move in harmony, and enjoy the process.